nice article in the Managing Madrid uh, blog. They're wonderful lads that do a great job there. And worth reading about that man there. Kareem Benzema needs to rest and the numbers reveal why. Welcome to the Managing Widget Podcast. It's a Thursday edition. Uh, it's our long-awaited mailbag. I swear, it, the week, um, I don't know, it, it goes by really fast. And the uh, mailbag just comes back, like, just before you know it, with a snap of the fingers. So every Thursday, Lucas Navarrete and I do a mailbag. We answer all your Real Madrid questions. And uh, we're really happy to do it again today because it's a lot of fun. Lucas, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Thanks, Ken. I'm doing well. How did Spain treat you? Good. I was uh, well. I, I told you a little bit off here, but we really need to get you on on one of these live podcasts soon, and and hopefully on on the next one we do in Madrid. Um, it was just a lot of fun. Yeah. So I and I should I, I do want to take a second actually to just to say thank you to everyone who came out because I didn't really get a chance to do it on the on the Patreon uh, podcast after the PSG game. We did we did uh, some some post game material for our patrons there, but. Yeah, I just wanted to say thank you because this was our biggest crowd yet. Um, I don't, I don't even get a chance to count, but the people I asked in the audience who gave me an estimate, I think we had anywhere between forty and fifty people, and the room was packed. And we, we had doors that typically stay open, but we couldn't actually close the doors because people wouldn't fit. So we had people standing outside the room. Uh, we had people standing awesome. in the room, uh, just jam packed. We had like a, a bunch of uh, uh, people packed and sitting on a couch nice and snug and uh, a lot of patrons who came out oh by the way andres remember andres the the guy who i mispronounced his name and you corrected me oh yeah yeah he was there um meeting him yeah, nicole exactly. gantz came one of our other patrons it was lovely meeting her uh brandon stevens another patron who was who's been the only patron now who's gone to the new york podcast and the madrid podcast um, it was just a lot of fun, and uh, yeah. it was awesome seeing a bunch of journalists come, a bunch of managing people come. And but I, I thought about it after. I was like, it would have been awesome if Lucas was here too. It would have been so much fun. So I'll um, try to be in the future for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right. So we have a lot of questions that came in. Some of you asked more than one question. Some of you asked like three questions. Some of you asked ten questions. We 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 kept it to one question per person, and we try to keep it to the most interesting one slash the one we haven't answered on previous editions before. Uh, so just so you know, that's that's what we did to uh, to kind of filter it for this week. Uh, first patron question, and by the way, if you want to get guaranteed responses to your questions and access to other shows, Patreon.com/slash ManageImageit is where you go. Our first question is from Ian Marley. He says, "You guys have been putting out so much content. I appreciate your dedication." Some of my thoughts after the two games that acted as gauges as to how far the team has come. I'm currently worried about our attack. Hazard does so well to bring the ball upfield and combines well with Benzema, but our attack often collapses just before getting to the box. It feels like we switch from a Cristiano reliance to a Benzema reliance. What do you think, Lucas? Yeah, I... I yeah, I can't agree with his last point, and I think that's mainly why, mainly the reason why Zidane hasn't given Jovic as many minutes as we all probably expected when when Real Madrid decided to spend that much money on him. 
but Benzema is playing so well that you know he's he's helping creating the offense. But at the same time, it's it's a little bit complicated to to have a finisher there when he's probably creating the play. But but he's finishing at a at a, at a good rate right now. So I, I don't think Real Madrid have a scoring issue. You know when he's when he's on the field. It's true that obviously they don't have a Cristiano Ronaldo, a player who is capable of scoring like 50 goals a season. That's for sure. But at the same time, I feel like Hazard will will improve his his scoring numbers and uh, sometime soon for sure. And, and at the same time, Bale and Rodrigo are both capable of scoring some goals as well. So I don't think they have a scoring problem right now. I don't either. I actually I feel really good about the attack right now, way more than I did last season. Benzema scoring yeah. at the rate he is obviously helps, but I I think we have a cushion in Jovic that we didn't have last season. I know he hasn't gotten going yet, but I think he will. Um, and I think, uh, and I was just simple math actually backs up this um, this mental security we have in terms of the attack. The the Real Madrid lead La Liga and XG, and not only do they lead the league in XG, but they've actually matched their XG of 28 goals, uh, which means their attack is just efficient. Now, it could be, it's maybe not as efficient as Barcelona's in terms of the underlying numbers, but it's really good. It's 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 much better than it was last season. You mentioned Rodrigo and Bale, and I know, but I'd also add Hazard in the sense that he's not a, a goal scorer per se, but he will give you 15 to 20 goals. Once he gets going, and yeah, if he doesn't, so. he's going to he's going to be an architect in so much of it, right? Plus, right now, like we yeah. have, we have Fede scoring from midfield, we have Modric scoring from midfield, we have Cruz who nicks in with the odd goal. It's not like they're scoring crazy yeah. amount of goals, but we're getting production from multiple aspects of the field yeah. right now, which is really encouraging to me. Yeah, you also get set pieces. Uh, you have to add some set pieces to the equation, which have mm. not been as affected as, as as in other years. But and also uh, the point you mentioned about Fede, I think Fede is capable of scoring like ten goals a season, maybe not only not only in La Liga exclusively, of course, in in all competitions. But I think he's capable of reaching that number. He's scored two, and he hasn't played as many minutes as some other midfielders. And if, if he becomes a a key starter for Zidane, I see him reaching ten goals probably. Well, he's his second goal that he scored this season is let's, it took a wicked deflection and was probably a, a little bit lucky, but um, yeah, well, it's still a goal. It's still a goal. I I remember that earlier in the season he was saying that the only thing that Zidane was you know a little bit critical of him so far has been that when he tends to get in a good position he shoots it at the goalkeeper, but um, I think. I think he can contribute. I, I certainly, I, I have more confidence in him scoring than Kovacic, for example, who yeah. finally scored his first goal ever for Chelsea after 70-plus games um, the other day in, in the Champions League, yesterday, I guess. Um, or or was it in the league? I can't even remember. But no, yesterday. yesterday. Yeah, yesterday against yeah. Valencia, yeah. Um, I, but I think Fede will have more goals in him than Kovacic. So I, I, I think there is, while there is maybe a little bit of over-reliance to Benzema, I do think I am confident in the contributions and attack that we have this year, uh, more than I yep. was, you know, confident about the team's attack last year. Uh, yep. Raul Gutierrez just has a comment. He says, "Hey, y'all, keep up the good work. If you ever do a live podcast in Toronto, I'll be there." Um, thanks, Raul. And also, Toronto is probably next on the list. I think we're gonna do wherever the team goes in preseason. We'll we'll probably follow them there. Uh, for a podcast, but also um, Toronto is in in probably the off month, maybe between when the season ends and the preseason starts, whether that's June or July or something. Uh, we will probably do one in uh, in Toronto too. 
Frederick Rentakiro says, even though he's amazing as a hybrid 10 slash defensive midfielder, I really like Casemiro's new role as a deep-lying defensive midfielder where his skill set can be used the best. But instead, I feel like Ramos has been bursting forward more than usual, and it almost cost us the game against PSG when he lingered in PSG's penalty area after an offensive run. Do you think it's Zidane's new offensive weapon, or is it just Ramos who is sick of playing as a central defender? If you're only playing with two central defenders, I think the risk of having one of them making constant offensive runs just outweighs the potential reward way too much. I agree, but I don't see it as a problem right now. I don't see it as a, I don't see it as a trend. Like, I, th- I, I think that Ramos just got a little bit too confident with the result and how well Real Madrid were playing. Like, he, he got a little bit carried out by the momentum and, and you know, it was probably Real Madrid's best game in, in two years or so and just he he probably stopped thinking uh, wisely and just got carried out, uh, carried over and, you know, probably didn't think all that well but i don't i don't i don't see it as a trend right now i don't think it's it's it's, it's a usual mistake from ramos even though obviously it's a he's a nice weapon to have when when the when the score isn't going real madrid's way yeah i actually don't mind it as much as some other people um who were up in arms about it um i think uh, i think there were a couple occasions where maybe ramos um when he chose to do it, it wasn't the the best the best time to do it in terms of the coverage, and that that's a team effort. I don't think it's his individual decision within a game. I think the, I think these things are by design because it was he did it enough really? times. Yeah, because I think he did it enough times in in that game against PSG that it was clear that it was something that Zidane allowed him to to kind of do Maybe. it based on his judgment. Because if you look at when he did it, it was every time he intercepted a ball coming out of the back. He stepped in, would intervene, uh, intercept a pass that was either going to Mbappe or Icardi, and yeah. all of a sudden he would he would pass it and then sprint into the box. And it was, I think there's a there's a, <laughs> there's a bit of chaos that can be caused by that in a good in a good way, where all of a sudden the defenders are out outnumbered in the box, and it the, the guy who's outnumbering them when the cross comes is Sergio Ramos. It's like the the most unstoppable guy in that situation. Um, I don't think it's something you do all the time, but I, I agree with you in the sense that in this game, they were up like one or one goal. Um, they were only up for, by two goals for like a matter of seconds, but they were up and the team was playing well enough that, you know, it made sense to just try it a couple of times. And, and, yeah, uh, he probably got a little bit emotional, you know, with all the fan support and all that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. Uh, Marin Myrtle says, I'd like to hear any differences you've noticed between Zizou, Zizou Ball 1.0 and Zizou Ball 2.0. I know Matt has talked about Casemiro playing deeper. Someone else said that Zidane didn't watch opposing teams much in his first stint, and now he seems to be thinking more about countering the opposition's tactics. I've noticed that Zidane is really into overloading the box with players from deep. It used to be mainly Casemiro, but now all the midfielders are doing it and scoring. And a few times per game, Ramos runs into the box to be a target man. I've seen a few reactions like he's just <laughs> recklessly charging forward because he can't contain himself, but it must be tactical. Um, and Marin Arsenal just goes on to uh, to uh, elab- elaborate kind of what we just talked about, Ramos going into the box. But yeah, um, the differences between Zizou Ball 1.0 and 2.0, what are the things that have struck you so far? I really believe that the team is crossing the boss less often. Uh, I don't have the data to support the, this argument, but at least it's what 
comes to mind when I see this team, especially the other day. I thought that Real Madrid were very, very patient in the final third instead of, you know, opening to the wings and trying to cross the ball all the time, all the time. And obviously Isco helped a little bit in that regard because he's not a, a finisher and he, he likes to, to wait and he's a creator through the middle. But I, I, I really do believe that Real Madrid are not crossing the ball as, as often and, you know, are, are having a little bit more patience on the final third and, you know, taking advantage of the, of the good midf- midfielders they have and the good creators yeah um i uh, i always find and i've said this before but i always find that there is a correlation between the games i i enjoy most from real madrid and the amount of crosses are uh that are put in and generally like this is just my personal preference i don't know maybe you agree disagree but anytime i realize i'm enjoying real madrid play well and i check the crossing stats they're generally much lower than than the average yeah um, yeah. For that reason, I actually really enjoyed the PSG game, as most people did, because there was a lot of control um, and possession and purposeful possession and quick movement. Like so, for example, yeah, it's interesting because two of the two of the games I've enjoyed most from an aesthetic standpoint this season have been both games that Real Madrid dropped points in. But one was uh, Valladolid at home, where you had James and Isco together. Uh, I just loved the passing. I just loved the pressing. I loved the control. Um, and then this one also, there was it was a narrow scheme without wingers. Um, well, I wouldn't say without wingers entirely because you had Hazard on the left, but Isco was that free roaming role that kind of connecting the dots. I enjoyed both those games from an aesthetic point of view. Obviously, the PSG way more than the Valladolid game, but um, that there is a correlation with it. And I, I, you saw that sporadically. Obviously, the 16-17 season, you saw a lot of that. Um, where a lot of the play was funneled through the half spaces and kind of Modric making those yeah. runs and and Ronaldo getting into good positions. Um, I was actually, I'm interested to know about, because you said you were curious about the data, about the crossing. Um, I, uh, I, I, I'm interested to know the data too. I don't, I don't know off the top of my head. Um, I don't think it's that difficult to look up, but... Um, We'll look it up for next week. Uh, yeah, we'll maybe look it up for next week. But um, <clears throat> other differences? I don't know. Go ahead. Yeah, it's just a joy, a joy to watch uh, Marcelo, Benzema, Hazard, and Isco combining on the same wing. <laughs> and and yeah. it happened against PSG. Four of them creating plays, combining in short space, in tight space against the defensive line. It, it was just, just such a joy to watch. And I hope uh, we see more of Visco, of this version of Visco, because I think he's, he's first of all, he, he's a great player. And second of all, he's, he's one player I really enjoy watching, even though, you know, some <laughs> I get some hate on Twitter because they say I'm biased towards, towards Visco and all that. I, and I just think he's just a very good player who hasn't been himself in the last, like, year or so but i think he takes real madrid to another level offensively for sure yeah i agree um other differences i think uh because Marin mentioned in 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 kind of passing that matt has talked about casemiro's role i think yeah. that's a, that's a huge one because um real madrid's defensive transition has not been good over the years and and i just remember so many times especially in the 17-18 season um where Modric would single-handedly cover so many holes. And when Casemiro was up the field and no one was covering for him, either he was sprinting back or he was there doing so much. Uh, Modric is not playing as much as he used to. But when he does, there is less burden on him. And I think part of the reason is Fede Valverde. Um, yeah. 
And I would, I w- I'm cautious with this comparison because stylistically it doesn't make any sense because they're completely different players. Um, they have completely different prof- profiles. But Fede Valverde is doing a lot of the stuff that Modric was doing a few years ago in that he covers yeah. so much ground um, and he covers both flanks. He covers for Casemiro when any anytime Casemiro does venture forward and Casemiro doesn't venture forward much. But they also work together really well. And that PSG game, Real Madrid's defensive line was actually pretty high. Like, if you look at Marcelo's heat map in that game, he's basically playing at the corner flag. Like, he was so high up the pitch. And they were relentless just picking the ball off of PSG with the counter press. And whether it was Ramos or Casemiro or Fede intercepting passes, there was, it was really enjoyable. And uh, yeah, so I I think Fede is the other other difference, not necessarily from Zizou 2.0 and 1.0. But Real Madrid last season and this season, Fede Valverde has been a huge addition to the midfield because he's basically lessened the burden on Casemiro and he's covered so much ground yep. that Modric is also less burden, Tony Kroos is less burden, etc. It's very simple. You just can't bench him right now. No, I, I don't I, think I you just can. Think you, yeah, exactly. So it's, it's very simple because he's just become a key starter for Real Madrid and unless he, he, his, his form drops or anything like that, I just don't see him on the bench at all. Yeah. Um, I don't. I don't know if it was you on Twitter or if it was someone else, but it just like the idea that you have probably two indispensable players in the midfield right now, and it's Casemiro and Fede. Yeah. And then, uh, and then basically, you you your third one is basically take your pick, right? Yeah, it's cross for me it's, because it's he's playing better be right now. He's younger. Yeah. Of, yeah, it has to be cross right now. But obviously, it's it's the one position you can actually rotate more often mm. and give cross some rest and all that. But Casemiro and, and Valverde have become just crucial, and it's a bit of a problem because they don't have uh, clear repl- replacements at the same time. And of course, Fede can replace Casemiro may- maybe, but uh, at the same time, you would ha- you would miss uh, Fede's presence a little bit forward. So it's a, it's a little bit complicated in, in in that in that regard. But but yeah, Casemiro and Fede are just undisputed starter at this point. Yeah. Um, Raquel Barbadillo says, we all take for granted Bale is going to leave Real Madrid, either in this transfer window or next summer. Assuming he'll go to another European club, what team do you think would fit him best? Do you see him under Mourinho? Uh, PS Love the Live podcast last Sunday. I hope you consider repeating the experience in Madrid. Um, definitely plan on it. Thank you, Raquel. Um, what what team suits Bale's profile? I think he'll do really well both in Tottenham and Liverpool. Even though obviously in Liverpool he wouldn't be a starter unless any injuries happen and all that. Maybe not even in Tottenham. Well, maybe he he could be a starter ahead of of Lucas Moura if he's going to be the starter on on Mourinho's right wing. But I think he will do really well in both in both teams. Obviously in the Premier League is is just where he fits best. He he needs space to run. And, and all that, so I just think both Tottenham and, and Liverpool make a lot of sense to uh, in in terms of signing Bill. Yeah, I, Tottenham is to me is the ideal situation for him because not only is it a homecoming, but I think Mourinho would love everything about him. Um, yeah, I think he he fits like a glove there. His st- the style of play, the attacks on the flanks. Uh, I think he would do well in Liverpool, um, but I I agree with you. I don't know. Well, I don't think he can start, um, but maybe he would just play a lot in terms of rotations to give rest to others. 
um, because so that they just don't wear out because they have they had injuries deep into last season in the Champions League, especially yeah. against Barca, where basically their B team attack destroyed Barcelona in, at Anfield. But obviously, to avoid that situation, you probably want to rest them more throughout the season. The other one, maybe just kind of thinking outside the box a little bit, I think he'd do really well at somewhere somewhere like Dortmund. That emphasizes so yeah. much on on uh, really good play down the flanks, possibly Bayern and uh, maybe an outside shot. But Inter Milan, I think would uh, I think Conte would like him. Yeah, too. Inter, yeah, Conte would like him. I, about Dortmund, I think he's just a bit too too high of a profile for that club. You know, they they tend to trust young guns and all that. And but yeah, about Liverpool, I just don't. I want to make make it clear that I don't see it happening. Mm-hmm. I don't see I don't see Liverpool spending money on, on him when they have <laughs> in the Premier League and a contender in the Champions League for sure. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think I think the, the situation which makes most sense definitely is 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 Tottenham and and you mentioned two good teams in Bayern and Inter who could have a shot as well maybe yeah yeah. Uh, question from Ilian Zacco. Ilian says I've just seen Irishman by Martin Scorsese. It's a brilliant movie. He throws in a spoiler in the next line, which I'm not <laughs> going to mention. But then Ilian says, so it got me thinking about how football, uh, about football and how much I love players like Raul, Zidane, Casillas, Totti, and Del Piero. They were heroes and leaders. And then the next generation of Alonso, Modric, Xavi, Matic, Zlatan, and obviously Messi and Cristiano. This generation made me believe in professionalism and teamwork. They were and still are serious players. And then we have the new generation of players slash influencers who throw fits. They plot to remove coaches and disrespect their fans. And I find myself getting disenchanted with the sport. Don't get me wrong. I believe um, I'll keep watching and supporting Real for the rest of my life. But I can't see myself loving today's stars like Hazard and Neymar and Dybala and Vinicius like I love the former generation. What are you guys' thoughts on this since you're both older than I am? Um, and I'm 23 and a half, and you've been watching this sport for a lot longer. I agree with his point of, you know, I, I like those stars he mentions uh, way better than the ones he me- that the ones from today he mentions. I mean, Totti was was such a legend, Del Piero as well. But at the same time, I, I just think that you know the whole sport has probably changed. The the dynamics of transfers, money involved, has changed a lot. So it's very hard to keep a player like. Totti was or Del Piero was in a club like Roma when you know PSG are spending 150 million 200 million on on, on players you know the temptations for those for those players like Totti or Del Piero in the past would have, would have been much much bigger and it would have been very hard for them to to stay in the, in their smaller clubs but I I do agree to 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 a point that you know the sport has changed and I, I it's hard it's harder to find these big icons from from just one club in in the current state of football that's for sure yeah i uh look like all those players um the, in the first list raul zidane casillas totti del piero all really likable people i think i think th- you have to just point out a very simple fact that the world is different now and it's more easier now than ever to become a big personal brand just through like Instagram and 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 whatever social mm-hmm. media, um, and that's just part of the times. And I think that has less to do with the individual and more of the the environment. So um, we kind of put can put a halo around those old stars. But if you put 
if you give them the same platform that exists now, maybe they'd be the same. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, most likely. Yeah, uh, I get it. Like if you put, if you gave Figo a, a platform now, then you when you did then, if you gave it to let's say OG Ronaldo, let's say Ronaldinho, Rivaldo, I'm just kind of listing off names, and I'm, yeah, may, yeah, maybe that's just my my prejudgment coming in and, and listing those aforementioned players. But um, I think if you gave them platform the way you have now, you'd probably have their brands blowing up to an extent that they also would be, they would also have the same power. Like I'm amazed um, at looking at this. If you look at the, the following on Twitter of the players we grew up with, like Figo, like uh, Raul, like OG Ronaldo, I can't believe how small it is compared to like, even like someone really random today. It's like someone like Regulon will have more followers than, you know, than Raul. (laughs) You know, isn't that crazy to think about? Um, yeah. It's just it's just weird. It's just different. And having said that, I will say like while I do love those players, one of my favorite players ever, Luka Modric, is in this current generation. I guess maybe you can count him as the the, the other one, but you know. Anything else to add on this? Yeah, but I I I I I, I get his point that Modric, Xavi Alonso, Xavi, and those players who are basically, if not retired, are already entered his decline. Probably talking about Modric. Mm-hmm. They, um, I get it that they, they are, they're not the same on the same situation that those other players he mentioned from from now, like Neymar, Dybala, no. Griezmann, who are big personas on Twitter. So it's just it's another generation, even though they're they're playing at the same time. It's definitely another generation of, of players, and you can tell but by looking at their their social media profiles and all that. Especially Griezmann, it's one player I struggle to. Uh, to like just because of his, you know, his his persona on, on social. I, I, it's not, it's not anything against him as a player. Of course, he's he's a brilliant player. I like him a lot playing football. But his his persona on on Instagram when he's when he poses with with you know the Cavaliers T-shirt and uh, the, the Cavaliers jersey and then and the and the next day he poses with the Boston Celtics jersey. It's just something I I just don't like, to be honest. And I, I get his point uh, when when he mentions that. Yeah. Well, also. Be, uh, it- he really wanted to copy the whole LeBron decision thing, which was kind of weird and a little bit exactly. cringy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Our patron Dominic says, Bale almost scored a brilliant free kick to win us the match against PSG. Would you care to name some of your favorite free kick takers in Real Madrid history? Where does Roberto Carlos rank in all of this? Roberto Carlos might not be the best. But it's definitely one of my favorite, just because of his style, you yeah. know, freaking taking free kicks. So yeah, it wasn't efficient. It wasn't as efficient as Beckham's, probably. Beckham, you have to mention it because you know he was great taking free kicks and all that. But I like, I, I, I enjoyed watching uh, Roberto Carlos free kicks a lot. And obviously, you, ha- I mentioned Beckham already. I don't know who else. Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo has a, even though his efficiency percentage is not all that great. It mm-hmm. was it was just similar to to Roberto Carlos, just very beautiful to watch, and yeah. Other than that, I think from from recent years, it's pretty much it: Roberto Carlos, Beckham, and Cristiano Ronaldo, probably. That's probably. I guess it, I don't. I don't. It's hard to get stats for like free kick ratios in history to like really bring math to the table, but uh, I agree on like the in terms of the aesthetics of Roberto Carlos. He was inefficient as hell, but when it went in, it looked so cool because it was essentially yeah. a laser. And um, <laughs> and I I don't know I don't envy anyone 
standing in that wall trying to face that absolute missile. But like just also the rare ones where he would curve it around the wall. Remember the one against France? In yeah, the, wow, wow, that's yeah. ridiculous. I think he's done something similar to that other another time. He did that, I think, twice in his career overall. But there were some iconic ones from a really absurdly long distance against Barca in 2000 and something, 2099 or something like that, at home in the 3-0 win. Uh, in terms of who gave you the most confidence, Lucas, who was it? Probably Beckham, yeah. Beckham yeah. and Figo is also one before before Beckham came, Roberto Carlos and Figo were basically turning turning taking turns. And I think Figo was great as well. So yeah, probably Beckham and Figo. Yeah, Figo scored some crazy ones. And Zidane never got a chance to shoot that many. No. Because yeah. of the uh, the pecking order, but he, he scored some really nice ones for France. And maybe if he took more yeah. with three he would have scored them. The underrated one in all this kind of is actually Raul because do you remember there was like a period of time where, I mean, he never got to take them because of who was in front of him in terms of the free kicks. Yeah. But any time he took one, it was essentially a goal. Like his ratio, yeah. free kick ratio is absurd. I don't know if there's a way to look at it. But I think he, at, at one point, he was like scoring it any time he took one, which was like once a year, but it went in like every time. He was really yeah. good at it. Well, uh, Mm. One quick story I, I just read in an interview with Roberto Carlos that for for quite some time he liked to to hit the wall on the on the first free kick so that the wall <laughs> will open and hit the next one. It's amazing. Yeah, I'm not joking. I'm not joking. He said that's that, actually brilliant. <laughs> yeah, really yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so uh, Tyler Simon asked the question we actually answered uh, on a, on a previous mimic, so we'll just probably go through it really quickly and just answer it because we've already we've already taken this question. Uh, Tyler Simon says, what player do you guys wish would return to Real Madrid who's currently playing that can't be Cristiano Ronaldo? Yeah, I said Di Maria and I think you agreed, right? Uh, from the current... From, from the current yeah, who's currently pool. playing. Yeah. So yeah, we, I think we both agreed on Di Maria. Uh, by the way, I looked up the crossing stats uh, while we were recording and you're right, it's 21 crosses per game this year and I believe last year because I just I just know off the top of my head because we basically I wrote about it so much it was about 27 so it's about six crosses mm. less per game yeah. Uh, yeah question from Brendan Powers uh, and this will be the last one we take he says will Zidane rotate soon we are getting to the point in the season where guys are going to pick up injuries he needs to start to rest guys such as Benzema Ramos Casemiro especially when we play teams such, such as Bruges and Espanyol but then get a tough stretch against Valencia, Barca, Athletic Club. Don't you think guys like Jovic, Brahim, Vinicius, Militao, Odriozola could use some minutes, gain some confidence in case one goes down and they may need to play one of these important games coming up? Or even if somebody sustains a massive injury, one like Asensio or Nacho. Also, I believe Asensio should just scratch this season, not rush back, and get ready for next season. Ligament tears are no joke. I see fans saying he'll be back February or March, but in my opinion, nah. it's better to save be safe then sorry he's such a young kid with such a bright future i just hope he doesn't rush back too fast yeah about the last point i i don't think asensio plays a single minute this season and you know i i just mm. no i don't see it happening unless you know real madrid season is is over by may mm. and he can play maybe some minutes to kind of start his his pre-season 
which will be tough, obviously, and long next summer. And about the Zidane's rotations, I completely agree. I, I, I said it on Twitter that I'm a bit concerned about how he's handling the whole situation with Vinicius. Mm-hmm. And more of the same could be said about Jovic and, and Brahim and, and Militao. Driosola, not as much because he, he's, got, he's gotten minutes and he's not been efficient when, when he's been given the chance. But Jovic, Brahim, Vinicius and Militao are... I think they're capable players. I think that they can do well against against yeah. you know decent teams at the Bernabeu. I don't think, of course, don't throw in don't throw in in the Camp Nou or or, or you know against Valencia and Mestalla. That's for sure. But I think they can do well against against you know mid-table teams like let's say Valladolid or Eibar or things like that at home. So I want I want Zidane to 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 give these players minutes because I think they're capable of performing and I think Real Madrid will need them uh, if they if they're successful this season because the season is very long. Yeah, um that that Bruges game, I honestly would just send the entire B team. I, I Yeah, for sure. It doesn't mean anything. It's like I would I wouldn't even take I wouldn't even take 18 players on the on the bench to to Bruges because do you, I don't know if you remember I think Zidane talked about this last season where he was talking about rest and he said rest is not about just not playing it's about not traveling because if you don't have to travel your body yeah. can rest more so like don't even take anybody important really exactly like I think a a team of like essentially you just throw in every name that Brennan just mentioned and and make a team out of it and because there's a lot of people in Real Madrid right now who are talented. That need playing time. Yeah, like you could make a yep. really long list. So it, and it, they're all good players. So just do that. I think. Yeah, um, Jovic, Brahim, Militao, and, and Vinicius are four names that you know they, they they're so young. They have potential. I want to see them. I want to see minutes to see what they ca- they're capable of. And I I think Fidan should should try to to get them involved very soon because especially you know. Jovic and well, all, all four of them really. I tried to highlight some, but um, all four of them come to mind, and you know, all four of them will can have the potential to be important for Real Madrid in the future. So, yeah, it's hard to to see a wasted season for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, we're gonna wrap it up here, Lucas. Um, everyone, please keep it locked on managingmadrid.com. We have a lot of content um, coming your way, but also on the site now, and we'll have a lot of coverage of the upcoming matches. We had a lot, a lot of pieces on the PSG game. Everything from uh, takeaways and uh, post-game quotes, questions answered um, from the game, East Coast role, post-game podcast, the tactical review, a big one coming up. I know Citrix putting a lot of work into it. It's probably going to come up tomorrow um, because it's he's, he's, it's, it's a lot of work that goes into it. It's not going to be ready immediately after the game. Yep. Uh, so uh, stay tuned for all that. And Eduardo also wrote about the bail situation on Sunday night for his column. So go check all of that out on managementjo.com. Lucas, thanks. This is always fun, my friend. And we'll chat next week. It is. Take care. And hala Madrid. All right, Ken. Take care. Hala Madrid. I'm loving your light. Vulnerable. Letting your guard down. It's honorable. Especially when the past ain't been that. Friendly to you, but there's magic in that. You the flower that I gotta protect. To keep alive in the wintertime. Hey, don't you die yet. You've been way more than a friend of mine. We more like fam. I raised you, you raised me. Let's turn this whole life round. You can confide in me. I can take the weight up off your shoulder blades and try to store the pain inside of me. 
Like why the world do you like that? Like they don't know you God sent but me I view you like that I'm sneaking glances thanking God that he drew you like that Beautiful black child, come and shed your black cloud For your vibe and your smile, I don't mind a little rain I'm your dog, ears perk up at the sign in your name Counting your main, wow, fire can handle your flame Download your shame, wow, high can drown in your fragrance You that red pill that a nigga found in the matrix Before I had you, this shit was fantasy You plan to see the growth, some roots, a branch and leaves Becomes a tree of life until our nights are filled with Peace from stress and strife And that's the blessing that I get from wife and you Cause you entrusted me with the key to your heart Beating you smart Cause even though I need a new start Due to my past transgressions you believed in me I guess the light I see in you is what you see in me Lord Say she from the west side mm, And she see my best side